This is the Impact Report. I'm your host, Katie Elman. The Impact Report brings together students and faculty in Bard College's MBA in Sustainability program with leaders in business, sustainability, finance, social entrepreneurship, and more. These conversations go live the first and third Friday of each month. This week, Bard MBA's Alexandra Crispolo speaks with Dr. Alan Hershkowitz, Rocky Harris, and Caitlin Sandeno about sustainability in sports and how the field is primed to move fans and society toward a more sustainable future. These conversations were recorded in the fall and winter of 2018. Thank you so much for being here this morning, Alan. I'm really excited to ask you some questions about sports sustainability and get more of your take on the subject area. So for the listeners who aren't familiar, how do you define sports sustainability? Well, obviously, we have an economy that is destabilizing the functional integrity of the atmosphere, the functional integrity of our biosphere. Uh, We are uh, hurtling towards unprecedented, we already have reached unprecedented concentrations of carbon in the atmosphere, uh, record temperatures, record storms, species extinction, the contamination of the oceans by acids and plastics. So clearly our economy is not operating in an ecologically sustainable, ecologically intelligent way. Sustainability is focused on correcting those trends. Of course, the concept of sustainability, which was coined back in the 1980s, that we should engage in business and culture and commerce in such a way so as to uh, provide future generations with an equal availability of ecological services, clean air, clean water, uh, waste processing in the soils. Uh, How do you engage in um, a business today so as not to undermine the ecological services of generations to come. The fact is that we have another 100,000, 200,000 people every day on the planet. So population is increasing every six weeks, another New York City's worth of population. Population is increasing, uh, consumption is increasing, and technology is still overwhelmingly wedded to fossil fuels. Um, So sustainability in sports, above all, tries to move us off of fossil fuels towards more energy efficiency and the use of renewable energy. Um, It also helps us uh, focus on a circular economy, eliminating waste, promoting zero waste, promoting recycling and composting, the circular economy. Uh, It promotes healthier food, uh, food that is more local, uh, less contaminated with chemicals, more organic, uh, healthier food options. Uh, It promotes uh, sustainability in sports, promotes ecologically intelligent transportation, uh, walking, mass transit, bicycling, uh, electric vehicles. Um, So there are a a variety of impacts, a diversity of impacts associated with uh, sporting events, with life in general and sporting events included, uh, that need to uh, shift towards environmentally intelligent behavior, especially as it concerns 
uh, eliminating uh, the use of our reliance on fossil fuels and uh, addressing the factors that instigate species extinction. Great, thank you. So you started your career as a senior scientist with the Natural Resources Defense Council. What inspired your founding of the Green Sports Alliance and ultimately launching Sport and Sustainability International? Yeah, thank you for asking that. Um, well, you know, working in science, science is my passion, science is my love. Um, the question is, how do you change behavior? How do you how do you get people to to change behavior to to change their minds uh, and to act on climate? The fact is that in the United States, less than 20% of the population follows science, while over 75% follow sports. So the question is, how do you connect? You have to connect with people where they're at. Um, so if we, if we can get sports outside of the family, the most influential role models are athletes and entertainers in that order. Actually, it's athletes outside of the family is number one. So if we could inspire other role models, and of course, sport is a big market. It's a big um, economic sector. It's a trillion and a half annual economic activity. And every industry meets at a sporting event, the paper industry, the food industry, the plastics industry, the chemicals industry, the transportation industry, the water industry. All industries are either sponsors of sporting, major sporting events or vendors to major sporting events. So when sports organizations, when Major League Baseball says climate change is real and it matters to our sport, when the National Football League says it, when Major uh, League Soccer, when the National Hockey League, when NASCAR, when the USTA, when all of these um, uh, successful and very visible and culturally and market influential sports organizations say climate change matters, well, the marketplace notices, and the most important thing that we can do to advance our mission is to change cultural attitudes and cultural expectations about how we relate to the planet. We need a cultural shift in our thinking about how we relate to the planet, to the earth, to the ecosystems that provide us with air to breathe and water to drink. How should we treat the ecosystems that give us air to breathe? Right now, we treat the atmosphere like a sewer. How do you get that message out to millions of people? Millions of people need to change some of their behavior. There is no one single answer to climate change. There's you know, many millions of contributors to the problem we're facing ecologically, whether it's climate change or biodiversity loss and species extinctions and uh, ocean uh, uh, contamination, acidification, pollution, on and on. So we need to instigate literally hundreds of millions of environmentally intelligent decisions by the consumer and by businesses. How do we do that? How do we influence the marketplace? Science, of course, is fundamental, but culture, sport, religion, film, music, um, cultural shifts and sport has actually contributed substantially to cultural shifts in thinking about race relations. Of course, Jackie Robinson and Jesse Owens, Muhammad Ali, and others uh, have, have have helped us. And, and, and Tommy Smith and, and the folks at the '68 uh, 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 Olympics. Um, 
and of course, uh, Colin Kaepernick. Sport has been uh, educating the public about racial issues. It has been educating the public about gender issues. Billie Jean King, um, Martina Navratilova. Uh, there's so many examples. Uh, uh, Lisa Leslie, there's so many examples, Venus and Serena, of women transforming, uh, uh, using sports to transform uh, assumptions about gender relationships. Now we need sports to help us transform and, uh, our, our understanding about our relationship to the ecosystem services, to the earth that keeps us alive. Great, thank you. And how do you think sustainability in sports has changed since you first started this work? Well, it's changed a lot. Uh, when I first started this work, um, there was no environmental program at any of the major sports organizations. I worked with the commissioner of baseball. Um, I worked with the commissioner of the National Hockey League. I worked with the commissioner of the NBA. Um, I worked with Billie Jean King at the USTA to create the environmental programs at the major sports organizations in North America. Um, most venue operators at the time had no understanding about many of the urgent environmental issues that their activities related to, whether it would be uh, energy efficiency and the reliance on fossil fuels, uh, the need to shift to renewable energy, the promotion of recycling, uh, promotion of smart transportation, educating fans in general about uh, environmental issues. Now, basically every sports team in North America has an environmental program. Um, most venues today uh, in the United States are uh, um, paying attention to uh, 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 operations in an environmental way. We have over 25 LEED certified stadiums uh, now. Of course, that didn't exist when we first started. We have professional sports stadiums, more than 20 of them with solar arrays and um, three times that amount at the collegiate sport level uh, in terms of solar installations. Uh, we have healthier food. We have water conservation initiatives. Uh, we have recycling rates like for the San Francisco Giants and the Yankees and the Red Sox uh, and, and others in excess of 90%. We have composting. We have compostable uh, food packaging at sports venues. All of this has taken place over the last almost 15 years really since uh, uh, my colleagues and I at NRDC started the environmental programs uh, at many of these leagues, it just took off. A lot of it because there was a good business case. Reducing your use of energy saves you money. It also reduces greenhouse gases. Water conservation saves you money. Uh, it also protects our aquifers and water systems and reduces greenhouse gas emissions. Reducing your waste or waste reduction so you don't have to send waste to a landfill can save you money. So uh, there's a good bit, and of course, branding enhancement. Um, fans consistently indicate uh, support for sports organizations doing environmentally better things. So it's a good branding enhancement as well. So um, the, 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 and now of course it's global. I spend much of my year traveling around the world speaking um, at um, sport events, uh, 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 business, sport business events. Uh, related to the issue of sustainability. Um, sports organizations throughout 
Europe and Asia and Latin America and Africa are committed to the Paris Agreement. Sports organizations here in North America are still carrying out the principles of the Paris Agreement, um, even if you know our president has attempted to withdraw the United States from that important treat, uh, agreement. Um, so, you know, the president can attack the EPA with almost impunity. He can attack scientists almost with impunity, but he can't attack NASCAR um, and, 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 and many of the other sports organizations, although recently he has been uh, attempting to do that with the NFL in a, in a horrible way. Uh, but the bottom line is that um, uh, when, the, when the head of NASCAR says climate change is real and matters and we're going to do something about it, when the National Hockey League says it, these are, these are market and cultural signifiers um, that are not viewed as political um, and um, have really advanced our cultural conversation, cultural literacy. Uh, sport can help promote climate literacy. Sports can help reduce the cultural polarization uh, related to environmental conversations, uh, especially conversations about climate. So um, that's all evolved over the last 15 years in North America and around the world. Great. Uh, thank you. So I know you touched upon some examples um, in your last response, but is there an example of a past or current success story that just really stands out to you that you'd like to share? Well, you know, many, many, of course, you know, the move towards renewable, the, the promotion of solar, you know, the, the, uh, some sports venues are entirely, uh, many are now entirely reliant on renewable energy, uh, the shift away from fossil fuels, the widespread understanding in sports about the need to address climate change, the widespread concern about healthy food and species extinction and ocean acidification and plastics pollution. Um, this is all now uh, part of the uh, lexicon of sports operations uh, and sports interaction with fans, and it's only going to grow. Um, so, you know, I, I, you know, I could point to, you know, you know, the Yankees have a 90% diversion rate. The Eagles are, you know, uh, powering their entire venue with with solar. Um, you know, there's, you know, uh, San Francisco. Uh, uh, eight, uh, 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 Levi Stadium, you know, is LEED certified. Uh, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, LEED Platinum. There's so many extraordinary examples. Um, the Olympics doing the most comprehensive carbon profiling uh, of, uh, of any event of any kind in history uh, and coming out with its environmental strategy that is among the most progressive um, uh, progressive environmental documents, you know, ever produced for any industry. So there's just many, many examples of uh, of sport uh, uh, um, offering us exhilarating examples of of how to address this issue. And what do you think the focus of sport sustainability will be in five years? What do you think the major challenges will be and the major opportunities? Well, unfortunately, when you look at the larger ecological trends, you know, many of them are moving in a worsening direction. Um, of course, the recent uh, release of the report from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, uh, which is indicating to us that our situation is even more dire and urgent than we thought about even a month ago, um, that makes us focus like a laser 
uh, that requires us to focus like a laser on uh, climate-related uh, issues. So I do believe that uh, over the next five years, you're going to continue to see a very uh, meaningful shift away from fossil fuels uh, towards measurement of greenhouse gases, towards investments in, uh, in offsets. Uh, some of the most exciting and exhilarating activities right now in sport is the merger of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals with climate action. So, um, for example, the New York Yankees have invested in cook stoves, uh, high, higher efficiency cook stoves in Mozambique. The U.S. Tennis Association have, has invested in cook stoves in Malawi. Um, uh, the New York Mets has invested in cook stoves in Kenya. So has Major League Soccer. Um, NASCAR has invested in mangrove and forestry restoration in Zimbabwe. Uh, these uh, essential sustainable development goals, um, uh, reducing uh, uh, climate impacts, gender equality, economic development, eliminating poverty, uh, reforestation, water conservation. Um, what we're seeing is North American sports organizations, like those I just mentioned, investing in low-income countries, particularly right now in Africa, um, to uh, essentially transfer technology and, uh, and financial resources to help those most uh, vulnerable uh, populations, um, most important ecosystems in many cases, um, respond and deal with climate change. So uh, there's incredibly exciting work happening right now in the offset market, for example, and I actually, full disclosure, I help advise an offset um, uh, a number of folks who are involved with offsets, um, uh, including sports organizations, um, you know, because I just think it's such an urgent and important um, uh, uh, investment, uh, a carbon management investment to make. Uh, and recently there was a, a discussion in New York during Climate Week uh, where the Yankees and the Mets and NASCAR, Major League Soccer, the USTA all got up and discussed their uh, investments into sustainable development goals in Africa. Uh, so that's, you know, you know where we're going to be in five years, absolutely climate action, plastics pollution, the circular economy, the acidification of the oceans, and of course, species extinction. Um, more than two-thirds of all the animals used as mascots by professional sports leagues in North America are uh, either uh, globally or regionally threatened with extinction. Um, so, we, you know, we, sports could be losing their mascots. Um, and there's ways to reduce the pressures on lions and tigers and bears and sharks and, uh, you know, and pollinators. Um, and, and sports can help us uh, and will be helping us continue uh, to focus on all these issues. It's an important component of the environmental movement, the sports platform, the, the ability to reach billions of people, the ability to reach trillions of dollars of economic activity. Um, in fact, recently uh, I was invited to uh, an event at the, with the Pope at the Vatican on focused on sport at the service of humanity. Even the Pope is recognizing that sport can help him, uh, himself a, a huge cultural leader. Uh, he himself can look to sports as a, as a platform to help him get his message out. That's fantastic. And what do you think it will take for the leagues and teams who have not yet implemented sustainability practices to be encouraged to start implementation? 
Well, um, I think, you know, the trends are obvious. Um, we're operating increasingly in a climate-constrained economy. Um, the costs of ignoring uh, climate change are growing. Um, the cultural pressure, the market pressure um, to respond uh, to climate change, the pressure from fans, uh, and of course, the biological and biogeophysical pressures, the impacts that uh, global climate disruption is having on our, our lives, on our economies, on on our towns and communities, on our coastlines, on our buildings. Um, so, um, you know, I, and I think that actually you're starting to see environmentally preferable products built into the system. So now um, you're more likely to get paper made from recycled products or from FSC certified forests. You're more likely um, to get food options that are healthier. Uh, you're more likely to get opportunities to buy renewable energy. Um, so, you know, for those venues that are lagging, and there are some, I know of some, um, and I know the leagues, uh, you know, or sports organizations are working on them. Right now, I would say that actually, you know, they're more in the minority than they are in the majority, uh, which is a shift over the last 15 years. 15 years ago, very few sports organizations had explicit environmental and sustainability programs, and now uh, most of them do. Great, thank you. And last question for you today, where do you see opportunities for the United States Olympic Committee and national governing bodies such as USA Swimming, USA Triathlon, et cetera, to encourage sustainable practices amongst members, athletes, and fans? Yeah, that's great. Well, you know, on the Olympic side, the Olympics has one of the most uh, uh, intelligent environmental uh, strategies ever developed by uh, any organization, uh, much less just a sports organization. Uh, and actually, I I was honored to be, uh, you know, uh, one of the advisors uh, to the drafting of the Olympics uh, sustainability strategy. Um, and uh, in fact, uh, um, this in November, uh, October of 2018, uh, this month that I'm speaking in, uh, the International Olympic Committee is holding meetings in South America and Buenos Aires focused specifically uh, on sustainability, advancing sustainability, and transferring it not only uh, to the Games uh, and the Paralympics, but to the youth uh, Olympism as well. So um, uh, the Olympics, uh, the USTA, um, uh, have you know very well developed environmental programs, and the U.S. Uh, uh, Olympic bodies and swimming team and triathlon should certainly model uh, as much of that uh, good those good ideas as possible. Um, you know, you're starting to see triathlons and, uh, and and sailing events. I mean, some of the most environmentally inspiring. Um, uh, initiatives are happening in the sailing industry. Uh, they're monitoring plastics pollution. They're monitoring acidification. They're using their visibility to educate people about ocean plastics and species extinction and overfishing. Uh, the sailing industry and the, and the, and the, tri and the marathon uh, event uh, sector, of course, baseball, basketball, hockey, soccer, football, tennis, um, you know, all of these organizations uh, that, that, you know, attract the attention of, you know, billions of people, you know, look, every day in every city with a newspaper, there is a sports section. 
You know, that's not true for, you know, for every other, you know, impact in our economy. Uh, and people pay attention to sports. Um, people pay a lot more attention to sports than they do to science. And the science related to our ecological conditions is actually becoming uh, not only more compelling and more urgent, but more complicated to communicate. And this is where sports can help out as well. Um, because sports gets people's attention in a very visceral, uh, direct, and frankly, uh, understandable way. Well, thank you so much for your time this morning, Ellen. It's been so inspiring. And thank you so much for all you're doing in the sports sustainability realm. Oh, right on. Thank you for, for doing the show. And um, uh, it's an honor to be here. Thank you very much. We at Suncommon are really excited to be sponsoring The Impact Report. We love that this series is giving voice to all these great businesses with just and sustainable practices. We're striving to do the same. Suncommon is proud to be using our business as a force for good. So we're both a certified B Corps and a Charter Benefit Corporation. We started this company as a market solution to climate change. We were fed up of waiting for politics to catch up to the concerns of everyday Americans for their environment and future. We know that clean energy is where it starts, and we don't need anyone else to solve this problem. We each have the power to make changes ourselves. Solar energy is such a natural and easy answer. It's something you can do right now to reduce your own carbon pollution. It used to be out of reach for a lot of people. So our mission right away was tearing down the barriers to clean energy. We did the legwork to help folks go solar with no upfront cost and a monthly payment at or below what they were paying their utility. Do the right thing and save money turned out to be pretty popular. We get to build a lot of clean energy and the planet is better for it. It's really wonderful being part of a community of more and more businesses asking the question, how can we do good in the world? With our product, with our business practices, with every decision our business makes, there's an opportunity to do more. We're trying to do our bit. Check out how we roll at suncommon.com. We are very happy to now be joined by Rocky Harris, CEO of USA Triathlon. Thank you so much for joining this afternoon. I'm really excited to hear your thoughts on triathlon and sustainability. And I just want to start briefly by letting you know my interest in this topic. In sixth grade science class, we watched a documentary on climate change, and it kind of scared me and made me want to do something about it. So that's really shaped my studies and career ever since. And at the same time, I grew up swimming, and I swam in college, and my assistant coach is a professional triathlete, and he encouraged us to participate in a triathlon when we were on a training trip in Hawaii, and I've been hooked ever since. And so I'm excited to discuss the intersection of these passions of mine. Love it. Sounds great. Awesome. So you were named the CEO of USA Triathlon a little over a year ago after being the COO of Arizona State Athletics. And you've also worked for the NFL and Major League Soccer. How much of a priority was sustainability at those organizations? You know, uh, when I was in Major League Soccer, uh, we had uh, a, a real interest in sustainability. AEG owned us. They're a big global company uh, mm -hmm. that owns and operates facilities around the world. Uh, so they had a, a, a significant uh, sustainability initiative throughout the organization. So that just like bled throughout the entire organization that we were, um, you know, try, always trying to look for ways to be more sustainable. And one thing that we did that, that I was really proud of is we ended up partnering with uh, a, re a huge recycling company at the time. They got bought by uh, 
an even bigger company, um, but they, it was called Green Star Recycling. And they uh, ended up uh, believing in our values and the shared values we had uh, so much so that they actually put their name on our jersey, and which is a significant investment for a, a company to do. And so what that allowed us to do is have a platform for recycling initiatives in Houston. Uh, and when I lived in Houston, I had to drive like 10 miles just to recycle. Um, and so it wasn't, you know, part of the, the, the natural uh, culture there. But it, it really, I saw it evolve over my time there. When I was in the NFL, I felt like at that time, because it was, you know, I don't know, 15 years ago or so, uh, they were not on the forefront of, of sustainability at the time. They may be now. Uh, but it was more of a, a, a PR type angle where they were just, you know, would, would, would talk about sustainability, recycling, et cetera, as, uh, you know, it was a more of a promotional tool. I'm sure that they have, uh, you know, much more, uh, you know, in-depth and important sustainability initiatives now than when I was there. Um, at ASU, Arizona State University, we were the most innovative university. Uh, if you didn't know that, you can look it up. I had a Stanford and MIT and others. Um, you know, they started the first sustainability school in the United States, and I remember that was a pretty big deal uh, at, at ASU. We actually, in the athletics department, which that's what I was chief operating officer of, um, we really took that to heart and tried to um, use athletics as a platform to communicate the university's uh, values. And so we did things like, of course, recycling, um, but we also put solar panels on most of our facilities, um, including, I remember when we were looking at investing in shade at our softball stadium, uh, we decided to put up solar panels uh, as, as the shade for fans to sit in. Um, so we, we would do things like that to, to really provide, uh, bring exposure. Um, we also, if I remember correctly, I think it was Lead Silver. Uh, we were the first Lead Silver Collegiate Athletics Arena. Uh, and we, we did a lot of, uh, you know, lighting and, and making sure that, that uh, the, the facility was was uh, was neutral. And that was really a goal of ours was to, to um, as an athletics department, try to figure out ways to not only uh, change the way we acted um, through recycling and sustainability programs, but we also wanted it to be visible uh, to the to our fans because uh, we thought because of the, the big megaphone we had in athletics that we could really uh, make sure that that uh, through in-game, through uh, communication, through all of our content, that we would be able to communicate uh, our initiatives. And we even did things, and one really cool thing, that there's a student group, and they started a, a small company that, that took food um, that was unused at events and gave them out to, to you know community centers and, and people in need. So after we, we did a pilot with them at our football games, which you know you'd have thousands of hot dogs left over and other things, and they ended up, uh, we ended up doing that where they actually had food, food sustainability too, where they took food and uh, delivered it to uh, members of uh, people in our community that were in need um, after our game. So throughout my career, you know, I really looked at um, sustainability and, and uh, trying to make sure that we use athletics uh, as a, a way to communicate uh, the value in, in sustainability. Yeah, that's great to hear. So how has sustainability in sports changed since you started your career? Yeah, I think, you know, early on, it was just buzzwords. It was like, again, public relations to try to make an organization look good. Uh, and what I what it's evolved to now is that corporate social responsibility is embedded into most sport organizations. Because we know we have such a loud voice that um, that we have to be able to uh, to look at ways that we can 
take what's important in society and and match that in our in our sport organization so now uh, across the board uh, from what i've seen uh, both pro collegiate and collegiate and and now even you know being in the olympic movement that um it is something that that's important because uh quite frankly young uh outside of the positive impact you can make you know the younger generation the people that are are, are our future workforce um aren't interested in working for an organization that doesn't align with their values. And so, and, and all the research I've seen, uh, again, many of the people that I've talked to um, through that younger generation, they look at that as one of the deci- deciding factors of whether they, they uh, want to align with a, an entity. And so it's, it's, yes, it's important, most important for um, you know, our, our, our planet, um, but it's also an important recruitment tool uh, for, for talented employees. Definitely. So does USA Triathlon have a sustainability strategy and how do you communicate on, um, or sorry, how do you plan on communicating the plan or your goals? Yeah, you know, we, we, uh, again, when I joined a year ago, uh, you know, I started looking at at what we did in this space. And um, although we're a very forward uh, thinking organization and have been for a long time, you know, we didn't even have uh, a sound recycling program in our building. And so, you know, I had to kind of start uh, from the beginning. So, like, within two weeks, I, I brought in recycling bins, and we got our the company that manages our trash to, trash to, to be able to, man, uh, to add that as part of what their services to us. Uh, you know, when I, when I look at, we have 4,300 sanctioned events around the country. And so where I think that we can uh, do better is communicating to those uh, events of how to be, um, you know, neutral and when uh, and 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 not have uh, you know with with our events what we have there's a lot of plastic there's a lot of things that you can that are thrown away and so we're working right now with different events to try to make it so they they use different practices at our at our national events of course we use recycling bins we don't allow paper registration we have 100% online. Um, we do digital event programs at most of our events. Uh, we do uh, we have used clothing and shoe recycling drives at our events. Uh, and so we're trying to do things that we can uh, replicate and, and and communicate down to those 4,300 events to to try to um, implement those same type of tactics. Um, from an overall sustainability strategy, you know we we see our sport as a sustainable sport. Um, it's outdoors. You're, you know we we, we you know, promote riding bikes to work and, and, and just being outdoors and being a part of nature, I believe really helps people understand the value in sustainability overall. Um, and so what we're, we're talking about right now, I'm actually working with, uh, with Arizona state and a few other groups to help us develop a sustainability overarching strategy, a long-term strategy, not just tactics, which is what we're implementing right now. Um, and so we will, will not really communicate those out broadly until we have that firmed up. But it does take time to make sure because, you know, it's a lot different than the other places I've worked where you've had a building where you've had something that, that's like really, uh, you know, it's, I, I wouldn't say easy to implement sustainability initiatives, but easier. So now we have a broad audience. We have all these different groups, but we don't actually directly manage a lot of them. We just oversee the sport in America. And so I I see the most value is for us to really put together a sustainability strategy, a long-term one, and then communicate that out to our clubs, our coaches, our race directors, and our 400,000 plus members. 
Um, and that's where I really see us going uh, is is as being again a big megaphone for uh, the initiative across uh, across the country. And I also think uh, that you know with uh, us playing such a pivotal and influential role around the globe, um, we don't just have to stop at America. We can work with the other 160 countries that support triathlon or oversee triathlon and their national governing bodies and, you know, help them implement a, a more sustainable uh, program overall. Right. There's so much opportunity there. Um, and you kind of touched upon this a little bit, but uh, what sustainability initiatives in triathlon are you most excited about? Any that you haven't mentioned yet? Yeah, I think zero waste events. I think that's really where that we can make the most direct impact. You know, I went, I do a lot of endurance events and I, and I, uh, I think it was the, the Pikes Peak Ascent, which is where you run up Pikes Peak. Um, they had a zero waste, uh, initiative as part of, uh, as part of their race. And, you know, they had water and Gatorade and all those things, but you had to bring your own bottle. Um, so they're not, there's not a lot of waste. Um, I know that our board president used to run uh, races in, in Boulder, and he had solar panels uh, that, that he brought in that would make it so they didn't have, uh, they didn't use any electricity for any, any of their, for the event. And so I think where we can really help is come up with a template, a, a way of doing business for our 4,300 sanctioned events and help them learn how to um, apply it. And I think that's where we can make the biggest impact. Of course, we do that with our events, but we, we manage only six events across the country that we actually directly oversee. So where we can make the biggest impact is on that. And I think the second area outside of the races around the country, again, is our 400,000 members and educating them. Most people who are outdoors, which triathletes are out, people who love the outdoors, um, already, uh, value nature and i think we could we or i don't think i know we could do a better job communicating how they can do their part as well um, so those are a few of the things that just top of mind uh, that, that, that i think of definitely and as an age group triathlete yourself is there something you really wish you could change in terms of triathlon sustainability from the events to the gear to the nutrition yeah, you know, I, uh, I've seen this in, in, in other sports. And when I was actually uh, at Arizona State, I know Adidas uh, did recyclable uh, gear. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's pretty cool. You know, t- it'd be really neat if we could figure out a way to take tubes. Uh, and and, and this is probably already happening, but maybe we can uh, be the group that pulls it all together and somehow use uh, inner tubes, which, you know, tubes for your bike uh, and and turn those into something else, right? I've seen it, them turned into art. I've seen them turn to a lot of other things, but if there's a way that we could work with, you know, two times you or Roka or one of our partners um, to, to take those things that really go to waste and, and use them for something good. So I think that's like an exciting thing that could happen if we could figure out a way to do that. And it may already be happening. I know that uh, at Adidas, they also had like rubber soles uh, that they used that they recycled on some of their shoes. Um, and so that's really, you know, where I think, uh, where I think we could help it. We could also do something around, you know, with our, with our membership, uh, the, our participants in our sport is, you know, recycling bikes, um, giving bikes, passing bikes down. Um, so they don't all, you know, everyone doesn't have to purchase new bikes with new metal, new everything. Um, we could pass down parts of bikes. Um, and so that's, that's something else that I think would be pretty fun, uh, pretty neat. And if I was, I am a triathlete, but if, you know, as one of our members, that would excite me if I knew that, 
um, I could give my bike to a, 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 a deserving person, and that way they wouldn't have to go buy one and, and, and produce those materials unnecessarily. Yeah, that would be fantastic. So you talked about opportunities for USA Triathlon to encourage sustainable practices amongst members, athletes, event organizers. Um, what about fans? Is there is there an opportunity you see there to really um, encourage that those practices amongst fans? Yeah, you know, I, I would just say uh, to them, get out and ride. You know, let, get out get out of the cars. Um, we had a, a, a bike to work day, um, as uh, and we we promoted it through all of our social channels. And it wasn't just riding bikes and being healthy; it was about sustainability too. And I think that's something that you know, for fans of the sport who don't participate, you know, I, I really think that uh, something as simple as walking to work, riding to work, um, you know, getting you know, t- keeping the keys in your desk or your at your house and and using your legs to to get around. I think that's something that um would really for fans of the sport would be beneficial and be something that would 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 not only um keep them healthy but would would um, keep the ozone layer in check definitely so what are the major challenges and opportunities you see for usa triathlon to incorporate sustainability itself uh challenges are that we don't have total control over all the events Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have, again, static, we don't have venues necessarily. You know, normally I was used to run, like having football stadiums or arenas um, that are really easy to retrofit or to change to make them more sustainable. Um, so that those are the challenges. I think the opportunities are that we um, are seen as a leader within the Olympic movement and across the globe um, for our innovative ways. So what we could do is if we... Uh, took a stance, a public stance, instead of what we're doing now, which is developing plans. Um, once we have those plans, to uh, have a, a, a public stance and be able to work with our my peers across the other national governing bodies to implement sustainability programs uh, in their sports. Because, you know, a hockey or a basketball, uh, you know, for the could, could make a huge impact uh, on, on sustainability efforts. So where I, I could see the real opportunity out there is us uh, – taking a stance within the Olympic movement and getting others to jump on board too. Definitely. Well, I think that you almost answered my last question, which is with the LA 2028 Olympics on the horizon, what opportunities do you see to work with the LA 2028 sustainability program to make Olympic triathlon more sustainable? You know, I think that the, that LA, because it's, it's such a commuter city. I know that they're implementing a lot of mass transit, opportunities there. Um, and we've done that at our events too. I mean, one thing I, I, I think is really neat about our events is we primarily, we, we push people to take shuttles from the hotel. Um, you know, we basically have a bus that we, we, so we can take 50 people at a time instead of everybody driving on their own. Um, but I think that what would be ideal to, to make us, uh, to really make a, a statement across the world is to try, and they may be doing this, but to try to make uh, the 2028 games, uh, zero waste games, a game that's, uh, a ga- uh, games that really can be a platform for how uh, a community metropolis that's spread out uh, can still um, not create waste or unnecessary usage of energy. And so I think that it would be really neat if, if LA 2028 took a stance on this, a leadership stance, and then told us how we as national governing bodies can contribute to that and be a part of that. Um, you know, we're hosting an event in, in Long Beach um, called the Legacy Triathlon starting this upcoming July. And it's a, it's, it's going to 
we're going to have it every year up until the 2028 Olympics and, and probably beyond. But it's a buildup to the event. And I could even see us using that event as a platform to communicate sustainability efforts. Um, but, I, you know, where the USOC or LA 2028 uh, with such a, you know, we have 10 years of planning. Normally, you don't have this much time for an Olympic Games. So they should really think about the corporate social responsibility efforts that they have. And, uh, and sustainability efforts has to be right there at the top. I know that, you know, when I was uh, right before I joined USA Triathlon, I was uh, I attended the, the board meeting uh, at the, for the Green Sport Alliance, Green Sports Alliance. Um, my boss at ASU was on the board and he couldn't make the meeting. So I was there for like two or three days of planning and strategy. And one of the uh, one of the the opportunities we discussed in that meeting was the Olympic movement jumping into this space because collegiate athletics, pro sports have have done it. Um, corporate America, when it comes to sport activation, has has done an okay job at it. And the Olympic movement has too in many ways, but it hasn't been um, centralized or aligned that I've seen. It hasn't been uh, an overall message that we can all jump and, and get behind. It's been somewhat fractured in each national governing body or in each federation has done their own thing. And I'm sure they're doing it well. Um, but it'd be, I think you can use LA 2028 as a way to align everybody around that North Star of, um, of, of using it as a way to explain to all the people around the country and around the world what it takes to be more sustainable. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Rocky. This was great. And uh, best wishes with your efforts moving forward. Thank you very much. We have a world champion swimmer on the line today, everyone. Caitlin is a former competitive swimmer, Olympic gold medalist, world champion, and former world record holder. She also is now the national spokesperson of the Jesse Reese Foundation, a motivational speaker, coach, sports commentator, MC, and host for world-class sporting events. So um, we're so happy to have her here today, and I'm just going to jump right into our questions. The first one is, how do you think sustainability has changed since you began competing? Well, you know, I would say for the generation that I was swimming, I came from like a distance background. So we were just pounded with yardage after yardage. And when I think of sustainability, I also think of like the longevity of an athlete's career. Mm -hmm. And basically the yardage that we put in didn't necessarily allow us to stay in the sport as long as I feel like I could have. So, but I think now coaches are starting to get on board with a little bit less yardage in the pool and doing more recovery, if you will. It's a little bit more common and people are getting more into the sleep side of things, the nutrition side of things. I mean, back in the day, it was all about like carbo loading before me with like pasta parties and all those swimmers need a ton of calories for the most part. I think the whole foods era and the education that's being you know, brought with that is becoming more popular for athletes, um, for swimmers, like what fuel that they're using for their body and for their mind. And I think healthier choices nutrition-wise. So I think that's changed a lot. Um, the power bars, the Gatorades, I mean, that was so common when you really dissect what that is. They're really not that efficient as a fuel for our bodies. Definitely. Thank you. And which sustainability initiatives in swimming are you excited about? Um, you know, I'm getting more excited about the thought of the saltwater pools um, as kind of 
crazy now that I'm out of the sport learning how terrible that the chlorine is for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that side of it, like it kind of makes me cringe after I think I swam for 20 <laughs> years and how terrible the chlorine in the pool and then the chlorine affects the air quality. And I also swam with asthma. So I'm like, oh my gosh, like mm-hmm. what was going on being in these pools? So the idea of these saltwater pools are way, way more appealing to me and for the next generation. And, you know, I did some coaching the last four years. I'm thinking about all these little guys and it's like, disgusting pool and I was like Kayla why don't you get in the water anymore it's like I don't want to be in that dirty pool (laughs) so that part to me I think is like the most like oh that would be amazing Um, but then kind of going back to the other side of the sport um, what I was talking about previously I'm excited that coaches and programs are getting more on board with like the sleep, the like what different dry land that we're doing, like yoga instead of just pure weights, again, like kind of like sustaining the athletes mm-hmm. um, and keeping them in the sport for as long as possible. I mean, I retired at 25 and I know that's like, you know, at my peak, but I feel like now that I've kind of taken a step back from like heavy, hardcore training every single day and more nutrition and like better sleep, I feel like I'm in like better shape now than I was when I was competing, oddly enough. Um, so I, you know, kind of both sides of it, you know, the environmental side of it, and then just like keeping the athlete in the sport as long as possible. Yeah, definitely. The human health part of it is so important as well. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so as an athlete, what do you wish you could change in terms of swimming sustainability from events to gear to travel? Well, you know, as a swimmer, you already know this. I mean, when swimmers go through their bathing suits so quickly mm-hmm. and even like the race suits like they're like oh you can only race in that suit like one to three times and then you get rid of it and it's like mm-hmm. oh my gosh and then there's like some people in other countries that don't even have bathing suits you know so we're so spoiled here with the amount of you know suits that we go through but for our sport there's something about that fresh suit that you first take it out and you only wear it one to three times and then you're getting a new one. So that is something that I would be really interested to see if we can change. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would take like a lot of scientific research behind it as does any of this. Yes. Um, and then of course, you know, like the water bottles and I had like a different water bottle probably like every day between losing them or the plastic and throwing them away. Um, but right now, like, obviously I'm not training like I used to, but being more aware of just having like, you know, my one hydro with me and filling that up. And um, my husband and I are like going through like the Berkey water system at our house, like instead of like, you know, getting the water uh, packs, with the bottles. So I think the, the swimsuits is a big issue. And, um, the water bottles too. I mean, for any sport, what we're like cycling through. Definitely. Um, So athletes are starting to use their platforms to communicate sustainability. For example, Michael Phelps has his Every Drop Counts campaign about water conservation with Colgate. Do you see opportunities for swimmers and athletes like yourself to encourage sustainable practices amongst other swimmers, event organizers, and fans? Yeah, definitely. You know, in general, I think swimmers and athletes are some of the most giving folks with their time. Uh, What Michael is doing is incredible. And I know that clean water is not only a passion for many swimmers, but it's literally necessary for our open water swimmers. And of course, for all Mm -hmm. of us, you know, the need to (laughs) survive with water. But going back to the open water swimmers, I mean, it's a sport that people don't know that well but it's a sport that when you really dissect it, needs a lot of help. I mean, our athletes are swimming in some of the most dirty water that there is. I had a teammate back in the day that swam somewhere that was so dirty that she came back with Crohn's disease. And that wasn't just her, another one of her fellow swimmers got it as well. And it's like, first of all, that's 
repulsive that our swimmers are being asked to be in an environment like that, but what can we do to clean up this environment so that that's not even an issue? So I feel like if we can get on board with that, it just parallels so well to our sport. Definitely. There's, yeah, there's so much opportunity with open water swimming in this realm that, um, can definitely be highlighted so yeah and I think it's like a two-part thing like we can bring awareness to that but also awareness to sports that a lot of people don't follow or know anything about yeah exactly Um, and with the LA 2020 Olympics on the horizon what opportunities do you see to make Olympic swimming specifically more sustainable Um, you know that one's tough because I know a lot goes into making the Olympics come together and there's a lot of construction that goes into that and a lot of prepping that goes into that and I think that you know the top concern is how do we outdo last year I don't think it's necessarily like how do we outdo last year without affecting our environment Mm -hmm. um you know what we talked about earlier about making hopefully the pool salt water pool get rid of the chlorine get rid of those toxins um, you know, what type of water supply are we providing our athletes with? You know, are they going to have those huge Gatorade bottles across the pool deck or whatnot? Um, but I think being in L.A., we're such like a, you know, I'm in Orange County just about an hour away. It's kind of like the, I see L.A. as being on point or kind of on trend with cleaning up the environment, going green. I would be really interested to see if that's something that they could do. Um, on the completely like flip side, um, when I was talking about kind of like sustaining our sport, I think, you know, something's popular every four years, but we're not very popular in between. I would love to see our, our sport sustain between those four years in between, um, making it something that, you know, is popular year round, not just when the Olympics comes around. But another part of it is the financial sustainability for Olympic athletes um, that are swimmers. Mm -hmm. Swimming doesn't necessarily make a lot of money, but there's a lot of exciting things going on in USA Swimming or just across the world with FINA and new organizations like the International Swimming League. So I'll be interested to see how that all plays out. So I think there's a lot of different angles with the Olympics, like how can we make it more environmental friendly? How can we make it more green Olympics? I think being in LA, I think that kind of gives us a leg up because it's something that I feel like is kind of like popular or trendy trendy in the area. Um, but then also for our sport, like as somebody that thinks the world of swimming, like how can we make it a sport that is kind of um, across the board popular at all times? Because I think swimmers are, you know, stand up people and I feel like they could use their platform in really positive ways. Definitely. Yeah, there's um, so much opportunity for swimmers and athletes to talk more about sustainability. And like you're saying, with the LA 2028 Olympics, it would be a great opportunity. So most definitely. Well, thank you so much for your time, Caitlin. Thank you for having me. It was an honor. It's a natural fit that we focus on the good that we can do for the environment with our business. We offer market solution for climate change, solar for home and business, solar heating and cooling for the home, electric car chargers, and community solar. But we don't stop there. Our buildings are some of the first net zero buildings in the Northeast and produce more energy than they consume. From our products, buildings, fleet, and how we care for our employees, we're using the power of business for good. Check out how we roll at suncommon.com. To learn more about the topics discussed in today's episode, visit sustainableinnovationinsport.org. T.
teamusa.org slash USA dash triathlon and caitlinsandeno.com. Join us for the next episode of the Impact Report on Friday, May 17th. We will be speaking with Shiva Saram of the Blossom Hill Foundation. The BARD MBA in Sustainability is one of a select few graduate programs globally that fully integrates sustainability into a core business curriculum. Learn more at bard.edu slash MBA.